What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I'm your host, EJ Stewart, and it is Super Bowl week. Obviously, you got the Rams and the Patriots set to do battle. In Atlanta for Super Bowl 53, we'll break down that game and give you our prediction for who we think will come out on top and hoist that Lombardi Trophy uh, come Sunday. Also, major NBA news regarding Anthony Davis. He's officially asked for a trade away from the Pelicans. We'll give you our thoughts on that and how this whole situation will play out. And, of course, we have uh, who's flames, who's trash for the week, and Kendall's court. So this should be a great show. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, what are you looking forward to talking about today? Yeah, yeah, EJ. A lot of interesting stuff. Uh, you know, a little, a little bit of NBA rumors out there. Uh, a couple of guys maybe on the block, from what I've heard, but uh, nothing too crazy. Um, but <laughs> in the NFL, you know, I heard there's a game this week. I'm excited about a little, but, little little game happening this week, you know. But play a little beyond pigskin, those little things, you know, kind of a light show. Whatever. <laughs> little pigskin happening, you know. Some decent, some little players, you know, you know, thinking about their future. You know, nothing big, nothing, you know, a little light show we got today. Yeah. Uh, nah, it's, it's, this should be a, this should be a fun show. Um, I'm always excited when before I do the show, Kendall says I got a lot of interesting stuff to say about X topic, and I'm like, ooh, okay. You know, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a lot of. I got theories I want to throw out there. Production meeting is you no. Know, we have a production meeting. We got to talk about what's going to be on the show. But you know, we do. We try to do a great job of not obviously just telling us what we think, so that you get some kind of natural reaction to what we're saying. So uh, this should be good. So before we get to AD, let's start with the Super Bowl. So like I said, uh, the Rams and Patriots are set to square off in Atlanta for Super Bowl Fifty Three. Los Angeles touts a potent offense full with stars. When you look at Jared Goff, you look at Todd Gurley, you look at Brandon Cooks, um, um, uh, Robert Woods had an incredible year. And, of course, uh, that defensive juggernaut they have in the middle with with Aaron Donald. And uh, their head coach, who right now, Sean McVay, is probably the hottest name in the business when you talk about coaching. Meanwhile, the Pats tried out their legendary duo of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick who are in their ninth Super Bowl appearance, going for uh, this Super Bowl number six for them, right, Kendall? They're trying to win. Yes, yeah. just it's just He's trying to go Jordan. I I just didn't. This is literally not. I didn't think I'd ever see this. I'm be honest. Uh, Kendall, what sticks out to you when it comes to this matchup? Yeah, that's, I mean that's definitely an interesting question. Um, I I mean we talked about it last week a little bit. Uh, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind when you think about these two teams um, is just the difference in age and experience between the, qu- the quarterback and the head coach for both sides. You know, obviously, you got Brady and Belichick versus Big Vay and Goff, and that's obviously the 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 one thing that really that's that's going to catch a lot of people's eyes. Um, but I think the matchup that could be arguably the deciding factor is going to be how does this New England offensive line uh, do in handling this this uh, Rams front seven, this Rams front four mm-hmm. uh, in particular. Um, I mean, we know what kind of uh, monsters guys like Aaron Donald and, and Dom Kinsu can be. Uh, we know that, you know, these guys are some of the best sack guys in the league. 
and they if you you know that New England, you know Belichick, uh and that entire offensive staff, McDaniels, they they've they're trying to put together a game plan to stop those guys. Um a lot of this is going to be on you know, on the shoulders of uh that offensive line, whether it's Marcus Cannon, you know, or uh Kate Andrews, their center. They they're gonna need those guys to to especially on the interior offensive line to do a great job of protecting Brady. Because if that doesn't happen, um I saw a uh a prop bet, in which there are plenty of prop bets out there. Uh, a lot of them related to Tony Romo. But I saw a uh, a prop bet that was uh will the will Brady have more completions uh than the Knicks have wins this season? And the only way, I feel like the only way that's, that's going to happen is if they can protect Brady and if he has a lot of time in the in the in the pocket. My guess is that Brady will have more completions than the Knicks have wins this season. I think that's a guarantee. But he would <laughs> have to get to twenty. He would have, I feel like he would have to get to around twenty completions. Maybe that's maybe that's being generous to to the uh, or maybe maybe that's being generous to the Knicks saying that you're going to get twenty wins. But um, I feel like that that's that's a tall order against this team because not only are they stout on the line but they've got corners that are i mean they're not the best in the league they're not the best secondary in the league but they got guys that can make plays and that's what makes this team dangerous uh i think that the 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 line play is going to be very important i agree with you and domkin sue has had a tremendous postseason Dante Fowler has had a tremendous postseason and he's actually played pretty well for them since they brought him over from Jacksonville when he really wasn't a factor over there. And obviously we know what Aaron Donald is. It's still it's amazing to me. I don't know how they do it, but it's amazing to me how year in and year out it seems like the Patriots always find a way to put together a very good offensive line. Like, I can't remember. I mean, if you could think of it, I can't remember a year where Brady's offensive line was an issue. Now, they've gotten to the point where they got into the Super Bowl, and then they've had issues against a specific team. Yeah. But, like... Yeah, the Giants have given them problems. Right. But, I, I, like, it seems like every single year, their 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 uh their offensive line is never an issue. It's another strong uh unit again this year. But this is a different animal when you're talking about the guys that the, the Rams are able to put pressure... The, guy, the Rams are able to bring uh, with just bringing four guys. They're not a team that blitzes very often. They don't have to. Um, they can dominate... With four or five guys, and that's pretty much it. You know, Wade Phillips is a is a is a is a is a veteran in this game, so I feel like if you're gonna want to have a defensive coordinator calling the defense against Tom Brady, there are very few names I would come up with before I mention Wade Phillips. So you gotta feel confident with him. But that brings me to my kind of thing I'm looking at in this matchup that stands out to me. You kind of mentioned it. It is it's kind of the, the the great discrepancy in experience between Brady and Belichick and Goff and McVay. Last week, I said it on this show, I was thoroughly impressed with how how great Goff and McVay were when the chips were really on the line and they really had to be great and how uh, unimpressed I was with, um, with Peyton and Breeze. Uh, uh, before the game, when I made the pick and I picked the Saints, I thought it'd be the opposite. I thought that we see kind of the growing pains in that game, and we did not see that from Goff 
and McVay. At least not when it counted. I mean, the first quarter, they obviously, they, they, they all kind of, the whole team, I think, kind of looked a little shell-shocked. But then McVay made the call on that punt, uh, fake punt, that I think changed the landscape of the entire ball game. And I think anyone who watched that, you would have to obviously see the game change drastically as soon as he made that call. So, I want to say that that should still be a concern in terms of how they will, they'll act in these circumstances, but and I don't want to minimize the Super Bowl, but, I mean, Kendall, you're in the Superdome, NFC Championship game on the road, chance for the New Orleans to, to, to get another ring. I mean, that's as, as deep a pressure cooker as there is in the NFL. And I know it's not the Super Bowl, but, man, it's, it's close. So, for me, my question is, can Goff and McVay use that experience from last week to rise up to the occasion this week. Because I think, uh, I forgot who makes this. Oh, Kenny Smith makes this thing about the Spurs. He used to say this about the Spurs all the time. That the Spurs, what makes them so great is that they always play at a level of an eight. Like their their, 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 their floor is a level of an eight. So you got to play at a nine to beat them every single time. And they, they could play at a ten. Like they have the, the ceiling to play through the roof and you can't stop them but at the at their floor they're eight i i feel like that analogy works great with the with brady and belichick and this patriot team the patriots definitely seem to have gotten past whatever their issues were in the middle of the year and from what we've seen from them throughout history and then what we've seen from them this year is that they're going to play solid football it was shocked me if they didn't play solid football on sunday my question is can the Rams play exceptional football? Because I think that's what it's going to take. Every time Brady's lost, it's taking exceptional efforts from the other team to beat him. It took an exceptional effort from the uh, from from Nick Foles. It took exceptional efforts from the Giants' defensive line. So that's what it's going to take. I guess the question becomes: Can the Rams live up to that challenge? Yeah, um, and that's why. When you look at a lot of those games and a lot of the games that New England has lost, um, I even look at even the Seattle game, a game they probably should have lost. Um, and you can even, you can also argue Atlanta, another game they probably should have lost. Yeah. But um, I, I point to a lot of these teams. A lot in a lot of those games, especially not the Giants' losses, but the Atlanta, Seattle, the most recent ones, Philly, those teams, I would argue, were more talented than New England was. And I, I think, well, like, top to bottom. And I think yeah, I agree. L.A. is more talented than New England. I agree. In both Seattle and Atlanta's case, they, they choked flat. I mean, Atlanta especially, obviously, they just crumbled in the fourth quarter. Seattle, it was a, it was a great game. They could very could very very well could have won that game had play calls been made certain play calls been made at certain points of the game. Yeah, the but great, the great Darren Ravel. Yeah, Darren Bevel. Darren Bevel. I'm sorry, uh, will never be forgotten. Yes, no. Wherever he is, he he's got yeah, a job. I just, I just I just gave Darren Ravel smoke that he didn't ask for or need. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Sorry, Darren Ravel. <laughs> I always get them mixed up for some reason. Darren Ravel, great media reporter. Nothing to do with that terrible play call the Seahawks made. In that game. <laughs> but uh and I feel like that's not that's not gonna change in this game. But 
even when I look at the Giants, uh, the Giants Super Bowl, they had an elite unit in that defensive line that was able to take over the game. And what L.A. needs are they need guys. I don't know who is going to be. That's why I pointed to Sue Donald in that defensive line. Um, but they need guys that are going to be able to take over the game in ways in which New England, I don't know if New England has those guys. I mean, New England has a guy in Brady, and he has weapons that he likes to go to, whether it be Sony Michelle, Julian Edelman, uh, Rob Gronkowski. But unless Brady's completely in the zone, um, I don't know if – I don't think they have the, the – I don't know if they have the talent to to just blow this team away. I feel like this is going to be a close game if New England wins it. I think LA does have the, the, the talent to not to to you know throw the if they can throw the first punch and they land it, they could run away with this game. Um if not, this is going to be a tight game and it's gonna be up to Jared Goff. But we've seen each week this uh in this postseason, at least the last two weeks, um this New England offensive line had no problem with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, another tough defensive line. Mm-hmm. They didn't have much problem with D Ford and Justin Houston and those guys. I mean, now obviously Sue Fowler <laughs> and the great Aaron Donald, Pitt legend. That's another. That's a whole another monster. But they've played great up until this point. If I'm putting my, if if I'm saying that this game is going to be on that, then if it's if they're able to contain those guys, now it's just Brady versus golf at that point and am i really going to put my the neck on am i really going to put my neck on out on the line for jared goff i mean i love jared goff liked him coming out since he was in college but i i mean if i any situation on, on this stage and brady gets anybody i'd probably i'm probably taking brady so the one thing uh, about the Kendall, the one thing about this patriot team that's different than I would argue maybe every Patriot team except for the team that beat the Eagles the first time they played way back. I'm going back in the vault for this one. Is I'm gonna go as far to say that this team has a great running game. And at least yes. they are now. Maybe maybe they haven't been that way the whole season, but the way Sony Michelle is running the rock now, he's running the rock like a Pro Bowl running back. The offensive line yeah. is blocking like they're an elite running game. If there's anything that could negate a pass rush, it's being able to run down that team's throat. So we're looking at what the Patriots could do to help Brady a little bit and not have to have him drop back 50 times against that pass rush. The, the When they played the Giants and those other teams, the Patriots didn't have a running game. Like... As great as the Patriots have been, that's kind of never really been something that they've really focused on. Now, that they played the Eagles back in the day. They had Corey Dillon, who could still run the rock and was still formidable. They were kind of like that, those first three Super Bowl rings, the team was a lot different than how the team plays now. Brady was a lot more play action. He was a star, no question, but it wasn't the he's going to carry the team on his back kind of thing. It was we rely on defense and we're going to have balanced and a balanced passing attack that's going to be heavily influenced by play action. Now it's we dropping back 40 times because you can't stop us. It's a little different. 
But this team kind of reminds me more of those old school teams. And I think that that's, this is the team they need to beat this team. Like, I, I don't know if the 17-1 and one team, well, I mean, 17-1 team, I'm sure they would love to have Randy Moss and Wes Welker in their prime. But I'm just saying that style of play, I think the Rams would feel comfortable at least feeling like, okay, well, we're going to get our chances. We're going to get our licks on Brady. Question is, do we make them count? They might not get those licks with the way this team runs the ball, Kendall. Yeah, um, and that's and I, that's an excellent point, honestly, because, like you said, it, it that it may not matter what kind of what kind of pass rush they they get on on Tom Brady, what time, what kind of pass rush, what kind of pressure Donald. Now Donald and Sue are so great; they can make they can make an impact in the run. They're great in the run game, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that th- their impact will be felt uh, regardless, but if. Sony Michelle can consistently get yards in the run game. Um, if him, James White, can get yards in the run game, then that now sets up Brady. Because at that point, I mean, you have to think Wade Phillips, he'll make adjustments if early in the game. That's the, if early in the game they can set up a running a run game. Now you you you're gonna assume that Brady will have more time to yep. throw. And you're, gonna not gonna assume, and you're gonna assume if they make adjustments to try to take away the running game, and that leaves Mr. Marcus Peters more man to man. And Peters is good, but we've seen him be susceptible to getting beat. We've seen yes. the key to leave be susceptible to getting beat. These are good players, but I think Brady looks at his matchup, and I don't think he's scared of any of those dudes. And if they no. if they get in a situation where they gotta bring guys in the box because they can't stop the run, and now he can really really go after those guys, that's where I think the Rams defensively could be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is going to be a overall a fascinating test of uh, Sean McVay's coaching ability because he's got two weeks to prepare. He's got the more talented team. He's got two weeks to prepare against the best coach in the NFL, arguably the best coach in the history of football and against the best quarterback in the history of football. Now he's not, he's very much an offensive coach. He delegates a lot of his, a lot of that side of the ball to Wade Phillips. Um, and a lot of it will be on, a lot of this will test how great of a defensive coach Wade Phillips is. But if they can have a game plan that can really, that, that, if they have simply enough, they have a game plan that can win this game. Um, we're gonna look at Sean McVay on a totally different level. Oh wow! Because right now we kind of look at him as you know, whiz kid, you know, playboy head coach. <laughs> that <laughs> playboy, about, about Play, a yeah. playboy girl head coach, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, but <laughs> that he, he that kind of we look at him that way, and we don't think that he. I, there are some people that don't think that he's a legitimate, like, I, I mean, they don't think that he's a legit, he, he's a legit superstar head coach where he, should, he gets, he's, he's getting too much praise for what he's actually done. He's only been there two years. Um, they've, they've gotten better, obviously, and they're an elite team, but some people feel the league now is trying to copy Sean McVay and that that's not the right approach to go about it. It's, he can he can justify everything that all these teams are doing 
and all the praise that's been heaped on him by winning this game. It's something that I look in the NBA, Brad Stevens, as much as I love him, was not able to do in game seven against LeBron. You know, Brad Stevens had the same opportunity to, you can justify all the praise you've been given as the Wonder Boy head coach in the NBA, the next Greg Popovich and the best coach in the league by proving that you can beat LeBron one game on your home court. He couldn't do it. Sean McVay is given a similar opportunity mm-hmm. against a similar Titan in New England. Can he get it done? Speaking of Sean McVay, I'm also very curious as to how um, Belichick and prepare Belichick and Flores in preparation for McVay's defense. Who they decide to take a excuse me McVay's offense. Who they decide to take away from Goff and McVay? Because if you know anything about Bill Belichick defense. And you've probably heard, Kendall, you've probably heard Nasser say it for now decades, that, or at least a decade, that Belichick and the way they plan their defense is they want to take away your star players. They want to put together a game plan that makes you have to use players that you don't want to use, throw the guys you don't want to throw to, to take the guys that can hurt you and hurt them and take them out of the game. What's fascinating about that to me is I don't know who you take away from the Rams. The Rams have playmakers all over the field. Are they taking away the running game? I think that's a grave mistake because while the Patriots' secondary is decent, I think in the second half, uh, Mahomes showed that if he got time, they could be had. Uh, And I think that the Rams were able to protect much better than the Chiefs did in this game. Um, Are you taking away... Brandon Cooks. I mean, are you taking away Robert uh, Robert Woods? I mean, I, I it just they, they, like the list goes on and on. Like, uh, uh, where who are you who are you forcing to be the the, the star for the Rams if it's not going to be one of their other stars? It seems like there are stars everywhere. Is Reynolds going to be getting ten targets tonight <laughs> on Sunday? Like, I, like yeah. that's going to be a tricky thing for for um for uh, Flores and Belichick to kind of handle. Because I don't know, I can't tell you right away. Oh, they need to do X to get this done. Clearly, the Saints decided you're not going to run the ball, and Peyton and Belichick are from the same Parcells tree, and they're yep. and Parcells coached the exact same way. Of we're taking away your star players. If your star player is going to beat us, then he damn earned it because <laughs> we tried our best to not make him an impact player. So, and what we saw last week was the Rams said, sorry, no C.J. CJ Anderson, no uh, Todd Gurley. Goff, show us what you can do. And it took them a long time to kind of get going. And it did work for a little while. And then once they got going, then the, the Saints couldn't stop them. Will Belichick decide to do a similar strategy? Does he feel like they had to take away the Rams running game? Will he try to play more balance? I, that's going to be a fascinating uh, 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 you know, chess match. That happens between McVeigh and uh, Belichick and Flores. Yeah, um, I, I, you have to think that McVeigh's game. I mean, we've seen in these situations a lot of times coaches will, and coaches get criticized sometimes, but they'll go away. They'll use their best player as a decoy in these situations, especially in football, um, and. You're you're in a championship game. You know that the team has two weeks to prepare for this particular player. And the Patriots, like you said, Flores and and, uh, 
Belichick, they know um, that that Todd Gurley is the X factor. He's the the, the number one option for uh, for McVay every every week. And I think McVay knows that they know that. And there's a, there, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Gurley maybe not get as many touches early on, or maybe being used as a decoy. Um, and we see golf be a little more aggressive early on. We see a lot of play action, see them take shots down the field maybe. Um, I don't know if I would advise that, but sometimes you can catch a defense napping when you're playing against a team that's so that's so heavily predicated. Their offense is so heavily predicated on a star player like Todd Gurley. Um, it's dangerous to do that because this team is they're talented. This isn't a a one man. This is not a one man offense. Like you said, they, I mean, they've got Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods. You know, Cooper Cup. They got players. Well, Cup is injured. Yeah, Cup's hurt. But they. Well, they I, got, want, I want to catch you in the. In the hunt yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't want to get a, a Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you've got guys that can make plays in this offense, and that's that's what's going to be dangerous for uh, Belichick because you put too much. She put too much effort in trying to stop a Todd Gurley, and now these guys on on LA, the their their receivers start making plays, and Goff gets in a rhythm, and then now Gurley starts to get in a rhythm because now your your defense has to make adjustments. That that's a dangerous game. Uh, now obviously you have to watch Gurley as much as you can. You can't just say, "Oh, gotta be gotta be worried about the passing game," but. Um, that's why a lot of this, a lot of this game is going to be on Jared Goff as well. You got to be able to make plays. All right, Ken, let's get a pick here now. Who you who you going with? Ah, it's interesting. Um, it's it's tough. You know, both these teams are are great. Uh, I, I want to. I I'm I'm going to go with the. I'm going to go with the Patriots. I, I think the. The Rams are a great team. Um, either way, I mean, I'd be happy if either one of these teams won. Um, but I think New England has the – they have the feeling of losing last year. And I think we've seen this entire postseason that that hasn't left them. And they, they're playing with a a focus that uh, – I, I don't know if we see it. We, I mean, we they get here every year, so it's not like, oh, we never see them play like this. But it, it feels like, you know, it's rare that a team goes to a championship, I mean, unless you're the Buffalo Bills, and gets to the – losing the championship, gets back, and loses again. That, that's hard to do. Um, I feel like this team – I, I think, Kendall, to, to, to just cut you off quickly, I think the reason why the, the the focus feels different this time than maybe in recent years is because this time we saw them in those back-to-back losses to the Dolphins and Steelers and the loss to the Titans on the road when they got blown out. That, like, we, we, seen, we saw them look very beatable. Yeah, exactly. And to see them now look unbeatable, basically, from the last few weeks, it's striking. That's why I think yeah. it feels that way. And Brady is coming off one of his greatest wins of all time, going on the road and beating that 
Pat Mahomes led Arrowhead going going into Arrowhead and beating that Pat Mahomes led Chiefs team. And I think they're going to be riding that momentum into this week. Uh, I think they're going to be riding the feeling of losing to Philly last year into this week. And I think they come away with a close, very close win uh, in what will not be Brady and Belichick's last game. Uh, yeah, Brady said it won't be. Uh, Belichick hasn't said anything, but he doesn't say anything about anything. Yeah, exactly. so I don't. I think that he will definitely coach next year. Uh, I, I got the Patriots too. Um, you know, I'm a Jet fan, so it's not like you know I, I'm a homer that I would want to pick this team, but I just feel like this team. I think la- watching that game last week, it kind of just dawned on me, oh man, this is this team is gonna find a way every week. <laughs> like like every week during this postseason, they, they're gonna find a way, and uh, you know they dominated the Chargers. Then we saw them in that first half against the Chiefs, when you're like, oh man, here we go again. And it's like this this team, they just they know exactly what they need to do when they need to do it. They almost kind of remind me of like an NBA team that like. They play the regular season. They look very vulnerable, and then the postseason comes, and it's a different animal. And like, uh, this is what the Patriots have done this season. I think the Rams are. I agree, they're a very strong team. They have stars across the board. Uh, if they're able to pressure Brady and stop the run, then their chances, I think, in this game are, are pretty good. But you just get the impression that the Patriots will find a way. Um, I think the running game is a big X factor. And um, I think they're going to devise some kind of game plan that may at least get the Rams, once again, slow out of the starting blocks like they did last week. And this time around, I don't think you can play catch-up with Brady the way they were able to do with the with the, with the Saints. Brady, I think, is too good when he's ahead. He doesn't blow leads. So I'm going to go to the Patriots in a pretty close game. But I don't think this will be a nail biting kind of game. I, I think we'll. I think it'll be a good game, entertaining game. But I think it will be a definitive winner, and uh, and the Patriots will have once again uh, be on top of the NFL world. Let's move on now to talk about the second big news of the week, and that is regarding Anthony Davis, the Pelicans superstar, uh, superstar big man. News broke this week that he told management he wants out of New Orleans via a trade. Agent Rich Paul says Davis wants to play for a winner, with rumors swirling around that Davis has his eye on the Lakers. Right now, it's being reported that New Orleans GM Dell Demps Kendall is not even answering the phone. He's leaving other GMs on red. He doesn't want anything to do with any of these dudes calling him about Auntie Davis. He's pretending like, you know, they're... They're like a telecom marketer or something. He just—he's not even picking up the phone to talk to these dudes. He—he's acting like <laughs> I don't even know what this is. I've, I've ran out of my analogies. He—he's not answering any of these people. So that's striking to me that that even got out. He's got his phone on do not disturb. <laughs> he's got his phone on do not disturb. Uh, yeah, he's—he's he's not having. It. It's going straight to voicemail. Uh, but Kendall, yeah, that was striking to me because the fact that that got out, it makes me wonder, who, why would that get out? To me, that only benefits the Pelicans, which makes me very interesting that that news got out. So, Kendall, we know Matt Johnson wants to make this deal. The question is, can he do it in time before the trade deadline? And then my second question onto that is, if he doesn't do it, does Anthony Davis even get traded during this trade deadline? 
I know you got a lot to say, so I'm gonna let you have the floor. Ooh, yeah, man. Um, it's interesting. Well, I mean, look, if I'm the Lakers, yes, I go all in on Anthony Davis if possible. Um, is there anyone on the roster you're not trading for this guy, or any asset you have that you're not trading for this guy? No, including LeBron, they're all on the table. No, I'm joking. Uh, no, LeBron, yeah, LeBron's untouchable. I mean, ideally, I would like to keep Kyle Kuzma in a perfect world. Is there any chance that they can keep him? Zero. Negative zero percent chance they can keep Kyle Kuzma. Um, If this were another team, maybe. But because the position that they are in, the negotiating leverage that they've given themselves, they're in no position to make any sort of demands about who (laughs) is touchable and who's not. Um, They'd be lucky if Dell Debs even answers the phone to them, which clearly he's not right now. So far, they've been unlucky, clearly, because he's not answering the phone. But, um, and that's something that I will get to, but to answer your first questions, um, I feel like, like I said, if I'm Magic, I do make the move. I do not think that this will happen, uh, at least to the Lakers this this coming season, uh, at least this during this trade season. And... If I'm the Pelicans, I can't. I mean, I can't really tell you what's going to happen because this is so. It's, it feels so early. But if I'm the Pelicans, I know I'm not answering any. I'm not doing anything right now because there's way too much information that still needs to be unfolded, and you're not really pushed to get pushed up against any clock because Anthony Davis isn't going to be a free agent till next summer, the summer after next. So. If I, I mean, the only incentive, and there, there's not like there's no incentive. The only incentive to trading Anthony Davis now is to get the tank rolling now. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's if you, if they're serious, like all right, we got to bottom out. Then yes, I would trade Anthony Davis now. Uh, there are ways you can go around. You can shut him down. You can be oh, he's got a he's having hand surgery. He's out for the year. You know, Kyrie did it. Claimed he. <laughs> or Kyrie claimed that he was gonna sit out if and get knee surgery if the Cavs didn't trade him. Um, so I mean they could they could do something like that, which benefits both parties. Anthony Davis doesn't have to risk injury, playing for a team they want to play for. The Pelicans can start the tank early, but um, but no. So if, if if we're considering that, then there is no incentive to trading Anthony Davis. If you wait till the till the off season, obviously I'm a Celtics fan. But you have the Celtics offer uh, potential because right now, obviously, they can't trade uh, for Anthony Davis unless Kyrie Irving is included in that trade, and the or uh, until the offseason. And not only do you have the Celtics on the table, but you know what the draft lottery is going to look like. Yeah. So there are other teams that, and we know this happens every year. Obviously, the Knicks are the main team that people are talking about. If they get the number one pick. The Knicks could very well be in the exact same position the Cavs were in when they got LeBron back. Where, let's say they win the lottery uh, in May. Now, all of a sudden, the talk is going to be, oh, wow, the Knicks are back. They got, they're going to get Zion Williamson. At that point, what if Kevin Durant says, all right, I think it's time for me to go to New York? 
Eric, got Zion Eric, Williamson. And then Kevin Durant uh, puts a letter where he's like, yeah, I can't wait to play with uh, good young players like uh, Alonzo Trier. And, Kevin Knox. Yeah, and Alonzo Trier, Alonzo Trier and, and Luke Carnett. And like, what happened to Knox and, and Zion Williamson? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, like, as you alluded to, those guys could end up getting shipped for Anthony Davis. Um, it may not be the Knicks. It could be uh, Washington, for example. I don't know who it would be, but it could be some team that's drafting that ends up with the number one pick randomly, and that team could use that guy, whoever it is. It may not even be the number one pick. It could be the number two pick. They could use that guy as a chip to trade for Anthony Davis. You trade Davis now, there's no, there's no situation in which you can get the number one pick. There's no situation which you can get a Zion unless you get lucky. Yeah, and you, I'm not playing with luck, so that's why I'm not trading Zion for a Knicks pick that is that has no number attached to it. That's that seems reckless. It seems unnecessary. Uh, be patient. The Lakers, if I'm the if I'm the Pelicans, I'm not. The Lakers have an interesting package. Uh. I'm not, but for me, I'm not answering any phone calls from Lakers. But I'll let you go uh, before it, I say more. It is surprising to me. I'm glad you said made that thing about the Lakers have a decent package because it's yeah. a little surprising to me how many. It seems like Pelicans fans, or I think some of these people are probably Celtics fans on social media that are dismissing what the Lakers can offer. I mean, I don't think that a package of Ingram and Kuzma. And ball and first round picks is a bad package. It's no, not it's the, not a garbage package the, at all. It's not the, I'm not saying it's the best one out there, but the I thing mean, I don't—that's a decent package to start with. The thing I don't like about it is, I mean, I don't see surefire all star in any of those guys. I see a chance to be an all star for all of them. And none of those guys, I look at them like they're that on my team. Star. They could be, yeah, I, they're my number one guy. And for me personally, I would prefer that type of package over a lot of mishmash, maybe type of players. But I also look at the thing that because initially I was that guy. I was like, that's a garbage package. But you know what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But you know what's kind of reminding me that it's not is the way D'Angelo Russell's playing in Brooklyn. Mm. And there were a lot of people that were out on D'Angelo Russell after two years on, on the Lakers. And there were a lot of people that are out on D'Angelo Russell after his first year in Brooklyn. Um, but he is on his way to, I, I mean, I think I think he'll be on the All-13 this year. Yeah, and I think he'll be a snub if he wasn't on there. Yeah, you can argue it'll be a snub, especially with Victor Oladipo's injury, probably at least be a reserve if he doesn't get in. D'Angelo Russell will be in Charlotte more than likely for All-Star Weekend playing on Sunday. That's an incredible accomplishment for him. Definitely. In his fourth season in the NBA, um, given what people said about D'Angelo Russell, he was he is in the he's pretty much in the exact same stage, or those guys are pretty much in the exact same stage that Russell was in when he was in LA, when he got moved for uh, Kyle Kuzma and uh, Trash. <laughs> so. <laughs> Brooke Lopez. <laughs> I guess Brooke Lopez isn't trash. Brooke but, Lopez, you're uh, not trash, buddy. I like you. Yeah, you know, don't exactly. listen to Kendall. You're playing but, uh, this year. So, like, I feel like if, I mean, there's a, since D'Angelo Russell obviously was just a young player in a bad situation 
that needed time to develop because he was 19 years old. Now he's like, what, 22, 23 or whatever he is. Yeah, he can still get a lot better. Yeah, he can still get a lot better. He's an all-star already. I mean, obviously it's a contract year, so there's certain things you have to take in consideration. But Ball is, what, 20 years old? Ingram's 21. Kuzma's like, what, 23, 22? I mean, we're we're not talking about old guys. Like, if you get all three of those guys, I mean, all of them have all-star potential. At the very least, they're already starter-level type players. Yeah. I... That's not a bad trade though. That's no, my point. I, I don't think Those so. guys can all develop into all stars two years from now, for all we know. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I think that is that's not a terrible package, but I think we're both in agreement that the Pelicans unless there's some kind of third team that's coming in, I agree, with that star player, the Pelicans will be foolish to take that offer before the trade deadline. As you said I mean I, you said it as well as anyone can say it, I feel. I mean, there's just too much to be determined. Between now and after the draft lottery, I'd even go as far as maybe even after the draft to make a move for a guy who has zero zero leverage. Um, we've always talked about the guy having zero leverage and asked for a trade and, and what they could do to get themselves out of there. Only Jimmy Butler has to me effectively really like won that game of chicken in which they just made their situation so untenable that they had to move them out. Jimmy Butler is a very different person than 99% of the people that work walk on planet Earth. I would, If I'm the Pelicans, I'm playing that game with Anthony Davis. I'm going to say, all right, I'm not going to trade you. So what's up? How, how bad are you going to make my life for the next two months so I can't trade you? At least by the time I get to uh, to the offseason. Because then it gives you a lot more options. Uh, teams then become more desperate. Because right now, it seems like the Lakers, they're going to be other teams. It sounds like, I think I heard Portland and, and Milwaukee are interested. Yeah, um, Portland's a team that I look at. I, the first thing I said when this came out is, hopefully they go all in for this guy. What does that He'd mean? be a perfect fit. All in is everyone but Dame. So that means McCollum. Yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. Okay, I just, I, I just want, I'm asking, I'm not, I'm not judging, I'm just, I just wanted to know. Uh... I would I would say that that would be the right thing to do too. I agree. But if you get Dame and Anthony Davis, that I mean, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's winning the West, but who cares? My thing. You like, got Dame and and, and Lillard. Yeah, I'm taking my chances against anyone. It doesn't. Now, they it, they're not going anywhere right now. Clearly. Yeah, they're not going anywhere right now. So you might as you might as, there's no reason not to take that chance. At the very 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 least, if you can't keep AD beyond next year, well at least. It's not like McCollum's contract is bad, but, I mean, at least you're out of that max money shorter than you would have been had you kept him. Right. Which and I'm, is an I'm underrated thing to, to think about when we look at these things. Yeah. And I'm starting to subscribe, EJ, to your uh, your Kawhi Leonard theory. Right? I mean, honestly, like, the Andy Davis to Portland thing is similar to the Kawhi Toronto thing for me. Or for you. How, that, how you felt about that, like, yeah. that's how I feel about this, where I'm like, it makes too much sense for it doesn't make sense for new orleans but <laughs> it makes sense for uh for portland where like i would i would go all in i mean i, I feel like teams, I, I feel like teams kendall they stare down the barrel of what could go wrong and it's not and look you should you should absolutely take into consideration the you know the minuses in whatever deal you make 
But I think it has scared off teams from making moves that could have won them championships. I think about uh, Amari Stoudemire and the Cavs not wanting to give up J.J. Hickson. Like, yeah. moves that I, I feel like I feel like they didn't take risk, but by not taking risk, they took even greater risk with what with the guys they had. Like to me, there's a great there was a greater risk for Toronto to continue on the path that they had uh, with those guys, knowing that they could never win a championship, than it would have been to try to see if you have a shot with with Kawhi Leonard. And right so far, I feel like they've been proven right, regardless of what happens this year. Um, hey, I, and, and, I, I feel, I saw, and I feel and I feel like the Cavs were proven wrong because they took a risk in JJ Hickson because they didn't want to lose Amari Stoudemire after a couple of months, and then they ended up losing LeBron for like five years because of it. <laughs> like this, like there's there's a, you know, there's a lot of layers. Like that ended up being a much greater risk than you being worried about Amari being gone for a couple of months. Yeah, and I I've seen people make the case that. What's happening with Toronto? I saw in the last day, people are making the case that what's happening in Toronto right now is proof why you shouldn't do that. I, I've like, seen I've seen people say that too, and I I, I, no I don't see how that's about. possible. I mean, because I guess the sentiment is that well, people know Kawhi is going to leave. I mean, do I think Kawhi is going to leave? Yes, but I don't know that for a fact. He hasn't said anything. Another guy like Belichick doesn't say anything. So for people to say, oh yeah, Kawhi is definitely going to leave, I. I I don't know. What I do know is that Toronto is the best team in the East right now. And, and they have a very good shot against to get to the NBA championship. Yeah, they're going to get to the NBA. They have a good shot to get to the NBA finals. I mean, I, I think they will. I think Masai Ujiri would take this shot and say, look, if Kawhi leaves, then blame him. Don't blame me. I, I, I'm, I put him in the best and position to win a championship. I think still don't understand, Kendall, is like I said before. Okay, Kawhi leaves, but at least that's twenty something million dollars off your salary cap, so you could at least start to process out what to do next. If you have Demar Derozan on your team, he's stuck on your team. <laughs> there's no way yes. you you can't improve on anything. You're in salary cap hell. There's nothing you can do about that. At least with this, you can say, okay, well, we lost him, but at least we got out of the Derozan contract, which the duration of his contract would have only been Eastern Conference semifinal, Conference Final exits for the next three years. That doesn't do anything for anyone because they've already gotten to that point. They're trying to win a championship. And I think the same thing will apply to Portland. Same thing. And I'm putting Toronto in this thing. I've seen people say Toronto are asking questions. They should be asking questions about Anthony Davis because now you got Anthony Davis and you got Kawhi Leonard for this year. Who knows what the, what the sky, you know, what the limit is for what that team could do come postseason. So, I think that all these teams should be in play, and which is why I think all these teams should be calling to answer the questions that were asked, that I asked. Number one, for Magic Johnson, uh, I don't think he will get it done because I I think that the Pelicans will be smart enough to not just uh, capitulate to the Lakers. And it sounds like that's the case because they're already, they came out with their statement, basically admitting that to what happened. They already said the league immediately needs to look into tampering. They've already yeah, no. taken him out of the video, you know, the video intro of their, you know, whenever they play at at home. Yeah. At Mark the Stein center. is saying that they're talking about shutting him down. 
Yeah, they 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 are they they want they're smoke. Gone. They're done. Yeah. They want smoke. <laughs> they they they're not playing the oh we're gonna make this work out thing. No, they want smoke. So this doesn't seem like a situation to me that they're very happy in terms of how things went down. So I don't expect them to capitulate to the Lakers the way perhaps the rest of the media thinks that they will, or at least the media narrative thinks that they will. I think a lot of people don't think that they also think that there's questions about whether or not this could happen. Um, in terms of I think will he get traded? I'm gonna say also no. I don't. I don't think he'll get traded because I, I don't think that it makes any sense for them to do that. Yeah. Um, I. But one thing that I wanted to talk about was um, the Lakers. First, I'll talk about the Lakers. Um, they got to stop shooting themselves in the foot with this. Uh, with this whole tampering stuff, because. This is now the third time that since, I guess, the third time since Magic and Polinka got the job that they've had a big-name free agent. And then, look, Davis, you know, he hasn't not ended up on L.A., so maybe it will work. But the signs point to the Pelicans don't have interest in moving him to L.A. for good reason. This is going to be the third time that they've been the obvious front-runner premier choice for a prime superstar free agent and they're going to shoot themselves in the foot to the point where because of tampering obvious tampering where they probably won't end up with the guy so you had paul george magic going on jimmy kimball going Uh wink wink hopefully we get paul george wink wink Uh and kevin pritchard indiana being like you know what screw you guys we're not trading him to la and them being like, yeah, you know what? We don't want to trade Ingram anyway. Screw you guys, too. <laughs> Thinking, all right, we'll sign him. And obviously, we know we know how that ended. He ends up in OKC, stays in OKC long term. We had, this past summer, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, also, same deal. People worried LA, very obviously tampering for Kawhi. Um the the Lakers or I mean, the Kawhi making clear I want to end up, I want to go to L A and the Spurs being like you know what screw L A we're not trading you there and he ends up in Toronto at this point it seems unlikely that he will end up a Laker he will probably end up a Clipper even if he does go to L A Greg Popovich according to Stephen A Smith I don't know if it's true or not I kind of tend to not one hundred percent believe it but he's saying that Greg Popovich is telling Del Demp don't cave. Don't trade him to the Lakers. Are there connections that, to Demps and Popovich? I mean, maybe, yeah. Is he in San Antonio? That's the I, only way I, I can believe that. I feel like I remember him having some kind of connection to them, but I, I, I can't be 100% sure about that. I can actually look that up while you talk. But, yeah, he did work in San Antonio. Or he, right. he played he played in San Antonio. Ah, there it is. So, I vaguely remember there being some, some connection there. So, I... I feel like, but I don't even know if he played there when Pop was coaching. I don't know, 95, 96. But regardless. Pop might have um, been the GM at that point. I'm almost sure he was. Okay. Because he, he fired Bob Hill and then he became the coach. Yeah. And now this is the third time where the Pelicans clearly have no interest in trading for anti trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers. And it's because of their obvious tampering. The Heat, when, they put, when Pat Riley put together the big three, we didn't hear... That whole that whole year, 2010, oh, yeah, LeBron 
we didn't hear that whole season. Oh, the Heat want to bring in LeBron, and they want to bring in Wade to join Bosh. Or I mean, they want to bring in uh, Bosh and LeBron to join Wade. We that wasn't some that wasn't speculation that was going on all year. We kept hearing Chicago, New York, Detroit, all these different cities, Brooklyn, yeah. L.A. We heard nothing about Miami. I mean, Miami was thrown out there maybe a little bit, but they were not the primary target until July first hit. And then all of a sudden, there was, oh, maybe Miami's trying to get involved in this thing. That is where, and I even go back to when LeBron went back to Cleveland. We didn't hear that whole summer, oh, yeah, or that whole season, LeBron. Cleveland's trying to put together a package to go after LeBron. They're trying to position themselves to bring back LeBron. They hope they can win the lottery to bring back LeBron. That, that talk didn't start until they won the lottery. But if... The, if the Lakers want to also be in that position where they if they want to be able to get those guys, and they got LeBron through free agency, even though that one was also very obvious, but if they want to get these guys via trade with another team feeling comfortable making a move with these, with these guys, they're going to have to do it in a way in which it is upstanding. It is um, It looks legal. It looks like they didn't bend any rules, break any rules. I know Rob Polinka. You know, he's a mafia, you know, agent, mob boss type of guy. <laughs> Agents are known for bending the rules in ways <laughs> in which they could. And shout out to Rob Polinka. But it's uh I think it's hurt them in these last these last two two, three years. That's an interesting point you make in regards to their inability to get guys that seem to be linked to them for a long period of time. What's interesting to me is I'm wondering if this is a shift that we're seeing in the league in regards to teams and really management. Kind of, uh, what's the word I'm trying to, uh, revolt is not the word? Yeah, I was thinking like rebelling. But you know, Yeah, just... rebel is probably the word I was going to look for. Rebelling against what I kind of celebrated for the last few years, which is is, is player uh, empowerment and player mobi- and, and, and player mobility because they've went all these years be having no power. And now they clearly have way more power with where they want to go, especially the star players. Where we've had management clearly say, nope, we're not going to send you to that place. That place is giving us a trash offer that we know we can do better than. So we're going to trade you here and you can figure it out yourself in terms of how you get to the place you want to go. The way Howard spent years talking about wanting to go to Brooklyn. He never got to Brooklyn. When he did, they cut him <laughs> years later. Um, <laughs> like uh, we, we, you know, we talked about uh, uh, you know, the recent guys, your, your Kawhi Leonard, your, uh, your Paul Georges, Kyrie, Kyrie. The age of the the Carmelo Anthony being able to just completely dictate the terms of what he was gonna do. Those days appear to be over. So I do think that's gonna be fascinating in regards to how this old AD thing plays out. I think there's a greater chance he's on some other team rather than the Lakers by the time he gets traded. Like, if he gets traded or when he gets traded, I think there's a greater chance it's going to be him playing somewhere else than there is with him being a Laker. Because I just, I, I feel like teams are determined to not let these guys get what they want. I think teams are determined to try to see just flat out what is the best offer. And the last thing is I think teams are also a little more willing to roll the dice on guys who they're unsure about whether or not they're going to stay. 
because we've clearly seen that the last two major guys that were traded, you could argue three, because Jimmy Butler didn't put Philly on his list, from what I remember. He was talking about a bunch of teams that were terrible. That he yeah, no, nah, Philly came out of nowhere. Philly came out of nowhere. He got to Philly, and we think he's okay with it, but... <laughs> I don't think he is. Well, right, right. There's, there's questions about maybe he's not okay with what's happened. So, because th- that was, those were not the teams on his list. Clearly, there were teams on his list, and they Philly was not one of them. So, I, I, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm kind of, if this doesn't work out for AD, and he doesn't become a Laker out of this situation, I'm going to start to just ignore what guys want. I heard that Lonzo Ball wants to either be a Nick or a Bull if he somehow has to get traded again. Or get traded in this whole situation. That he want them to find a third team, like Chicago or New York, because he wouldn't want to play in New Orleans. That's a rumor that I saw. I I don't think it matters. They have the the players and their power. I think is being stripped away a little bit in regards to this. Yes, they can get themselves out of a place, but to get to where they want to go, that really ain't happening. Yeah, and the other. The other point that I wanted to make was, you know, a lot of people were talking about the idea of this this super team, this Star Wars that's going to form in L.A. this I'm summer. Gonna so, I'm going to be so mad when someone famous just starts calling this Star Wars. I know, I'm going to be, right? I'm gonna be yeah. so mad. Yeah, you got to copyright it. You know? I can't. Co- Star I, Wars is copyrighted. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm the one that has a threat to be sued. I'm the one who has a threat to go to jail. <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's so, not them. It's me. <laughs> This NBA Star Wars that, that's gonna have that, that people keep throwing out there, this, this fantasy land that you know AD is gonna get traded there, and then Kyrie or and or Clay Thompson is gonna sign there. I mean, I mean, I saw. I'm not gonna name names. Some it's, it's unnecessary. Why, but there, there, there are why, some talented people names? out there who are making the claim that it's more likely that Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving end up on the Lakers than Anthony Davis comes to the Celtics, which I, I, I don't know how that, I don't know how you come to that conclusion. I, Kendall, that, get, get, get freezing cold takes ready. Kendall, get freezing cold takes ready. I know, right? Kendall, I keep... <laughs> there is no chance in hell. Kyrie Irving signs with the Lakers. Yeah. No chance in hell. It's, it seems unlikely to me. I and and look, if, if that happens, I look like a gray fool. I do not believe that Kyrie Irving is going back to playing with LeBron James for any long period of time. That, it seems, I mean, that is not going to happen. It would just be the most odd move. And Kyrie Irving is a very odd figure. He's a very weird guy. But that would just be one of the weirdest moves in, in pro sports history. To make such a public... I want to leave this guy, move, and then two years later join up with him on another team when you don't really have to. I mean, that would be very strange. Also, um, how would the Lakers even do this? I mean, they have the cap space. I mean, Kyrie the free agent. They have. They have. If they acquire AD, they still will have. I think, yeah, I think they're gonna have two max slots. I mean, I think they they're have getting to rid of Caldwell Pope, Caldwell Pope in the deal, though. Every deal I've seen, you have to include him in the deal. I, I guess what, from what I've heard, it's going to just be like, I mean, you get rid of every cat except for LeBron, except for LeBron and AD. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be impossible. Kyrie but, Irving, remember, there is AD's no chance. Making... Play, play my Vince McMahon music. I need to get the Vince McMahon music. I need to get that soundboard. Yeah, I but, know, right? But the Vince McMahon theme song, no chance in hell. There is no chance in hell 
Kyrie Irving is teaming up with LeBron James in Lakerland. Sorry, Lake, sorry, LeBron fanboys. Sorry, LeBron fanboys who want to see LeBron have a chance to beat the Warriors. He's going to have a chance, possibly. It's not going to be with Kyrie Irving. Well, first, I'll go with the reasons why I don't think it'll happen. One, he's on a championship contender now. Uh, he's playing. He's it, The most obvious reason why I don't think it'll happen is he's said on, like, five different occasions, I, I, I don't want to go anywhere. He's made it clearly, made it public. He announced it in front of an entire arena before the season. He wants to come back. He plans on resigning. He said in every way possible without bending NBA rules that he is he's going to sign in the first chance he gets long term um for the max. So ultimately that's why I think he he'll probably will stay. But if he doesn't, it's LA. He did yesterday just sign a movie deal uh to to star in another movie. Um Hollywood is, is certainly a possibility. Uh, he's got his relationship with Kobe. Kobe, who told, was the one that told him or advised him to leave LeBron, I'm sure he also will advise him he should come home to L.A. Not really home, but home to Kobe. And I also have a theory that... Because as a Celtics fan, you know, Celtics, we've won two straight without Kyrie. And... Kyrie, he's certainly gotten on my nerves the last couple of weeks. I, I don't know if I've expressed it on this show, but uh, you know, in our Flames trash segment, he, he's been he's been close to being trash if he hasn't been around the as yet. But he's uh, the, you know, the the situation that he had with the whole Tatum, where he was calling out the young guy saying they didn't know how to win. Or you know, the, the whole I apologize to LeBron because now I know these guys don't know what it takes to win. And I was like that when I was young. That I thought that was some nonsense because I was like, these dudes went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year and were a game away from beating LeBron without you. So clearly these guys know how to win. And that you haven't you didn't do anything without LeBron. You haven't done anything without LeBron in your career. But regardless, um, I, I do wonder if it's in the best interest of this team, like the rest of the guys outside of Kyrie, for Kyrie to even be on this team, including Brad Stevens. And I'm not one of the guys, I'm not, I don't want to be one of the guys that says that, oh, the Celtics are a better team without Kyrie Irving. That's not true. Um, But I do wonder if it would behoove this team to move forward. Uh, I wouldn't say it would behoove them to move forward without Kyrie, but to consider, you know, maybe... Would it behoove someone like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? I think it would. I think those guys would be better off in their careers if Kyrie were to go someplace else. And then when I consider that, and I consider Kyrie and Jason Tatum have the same agent, you do wonder if that's something that's being talked about. Is all right, we Tatum and Kyrie, they tried the whole we'll play together. It's stunted Tatum's growth to some extent. If Kyrie decides, all right, I'm not really loving this whole <laughs> playing with these guys right thing right now. Tatum's probably saying, yeah, I'm not really feeling this whole thing. If Kyrie goes to L.A., it becomes Tatum's team. Brown now can shine like he did in the playoffs. That's something that I've that I've considered as well. But I don't. My point though is that I don't think that that 
I don't think that we're going to get this whole Star Wars thing in L.A. Um, but if I were the Celtics, I would be careful in what they and how they move this offseason. Because I think Woj is reporting that the Pelicans, that Danny Ainge has told, or at least the Celtics have told the Pelicans, wait until the offseason. Everything will be available for Anthony Davis if you wait. I don't know if that's the right move because I don't know if I'd rather have Kyrie, Anthony Davis, and a bunch of dudes or the team we have now without Kyrie. Um, I, I would lean, I, honestly, I would lean the team that we have now without Kyrie, given the age. But I, I can't just say a bunch of dudes. I got to see who's gone. I, That's true. I don't, I it won't know. be a bunch of dudes. I mean, it, it yeah, might be. Celtics have a good supporting cast. Maybe Al so, Horford probably will so, probably I mean, still be there. Okay, Al Horford's still around. Is Gordon Hayward still around? Like, there's a lot of. There's a lot to still to be asked about, like, who's exactly is around for Boston Media to say that. So I, I can't. I, to be honest, I can't really answer that question, even though I'm on a podcast where I'm supposed to give my opinion. Uh, in terms of the Kyrie stuff, I don't know. I just feel like he's been acting weird. He's a moody dude. Uh, I think that. He probably, I think, I honestly, here's what I think what's been going on with Kyrie. I think he honestly does feel like, wow, this is a lot harder than I imagined it. And I think he's one of those dudes that gets nostalgic. I think he's probably gotten nostalgic about the times playing with LeBron and LeBron being able to kind of just allow him to kind of just be him. You know, instead of being the leader of the team, Kyrie was kind of allowed to just be the little scoring guard. And that was kind of it. And LeBron tried to challenge him to be more, uh, I'm sure Kyrie pushed back on those challenges, and now Kyrie's like, "Wow, I, I, you know, I would love to go back to something. I'm just playing my, just, just hooping, just playing ball, not worried about making sure these guys know what the hell they're doing, uh, 99% of the time. Uh, but this is what he asked for, so it is what it is. I, I do. Before we can move on, I do want to at least touch on the Knicks in this scenario. Yes, because they are the. I think they've been the third most talked about. Situation in this Davis thing. If you're talking, at, if you're looking at it between Lakers, Celtics, and, and the Knicks at the third team, because it seems like there are plenty of reporters who feel like the Knicks can absolutely be a player in these uh, anti Davis sweepstakes. A lot of it will will depend on where they end up drafting, but the big question lies with: Does a offer the Knicks have have to include? Uh, injured star Chris Dash Porzingis. This is a conversation me and my dad are going back and forth with over and over again. So I'm gonna ask it to you, and I'm gonna tell you what I'll tell you what I think. But I'm gonna ask it to you. So we keep going back and forth. Of if you are the New York Knicks, do you include Porzingis, a number then the number one pick? Let's assume you got Zion Williamson in tow. He's going number to one. Madison Square Garden. Are you including Zion? And Porzingis in a trade for uh, for Anthony Davis. I would not do that. Now I would trade either one of those things along with Kevin Knox to bring Anthony Davis to New York City. I think that including all three of them, which I think could very well end up being the offer when once every team comes into the fray this summer, I think is too much to ask because I think that the Knicks would then be kind of back at square one where you have one star and nobody. So I'm curious, where do you stand on 
the the KP situation if he should be included. I also think one thing to think about too is, you know, you know some people say we shouldn't give a damn, but I do think that look, Chris Stapps, for whatever it's worth, he has shown to be a moody star. I don't know if I want his name being dragged around in trade rumors for weeks and weeks and try to have him come back to the team like everything's cool. Last year, there was a lot of damage done with what happened with him and Phil Jackson. So, I, I got to me, if I'm putting him in trade talks, I got to make sure I can get the deal done. How do they even work with him being a free agent? That's the other thing I'm confused about. You I, know, you'd have to agree to go to New Orleans, I guess, as well. That's a good point. He, I guess. I mean, I guess if they give him the max, he probably would certainly think about it. But <laughs> that's that'll the, be the other well, That's thing. a good point. I guess, yeah, because like, but you can't trade a guy who's you can't. There's no sign in trades anymore. So, so to me, you have to do this trade now. I don't think you can even do it in the offseason. At least not. Yeah, I don't know if you can include Porzingis. Um, I mean, what I what I would say is, are you including this unprotected? So in in next week, are you including this unprotected pick, not knowing what it is, and poor and, and Porzingis for uh, Anthony Davis? I mean, I, I wouldn't look. I mean, now if we're talking that 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 that's that's slightly different because I mean to answer your first question, if you if you had the number one pick. I'm not if – if, if I'm the Knicks, at the very least, I'm doing the, the Cavs approach of I'm drafting Zion and I'm waiting if someone were to sign, that's that's a move I make. Like the Cavs don't trade Andrew Wiggins for love unless they sign LeBron. And I feel like if I'm the Knicks – and now Anthony Davis is a better player. I mean obviously though. Ten times better player than Kevin Love was, even at that time. And Kevin Love was uh, arguably a top fifteen, top ten guy at that point. Uh, Davis is arguably top three in the league. So, yeah. I mean, he's he's Davis is a tremendous player. So it's you can't look at it that exact same way. But I don't know if it's worth. I just don't know if it's worth the risk. I mean, I think if the Knicks win the lottery, I think they will end up with a free agent. Um, I don't know if it's Durant. Kyrie, Kemba, I mean, those seem to be the three guys that people will look at the most. I feel like, though, they will end up with somebody, and if that, if you do get that guy, then maybe I make the move to say, all right, now we're going to pair that guy with Anthony Davis. Um, but I'm not making any trade unless – I'm not making any trade for Anthony Davis with him being the focal point. Question. Uh, Question, yeah. Kendall. Would you rather, if you're the Pelicans, would you rather have Jason Tatum or Zion Williamson? Oh, wow. That's the first time I've even posed that question. Or I hadn't seen that. I've never posed it to myself. I've never seen that question posed. Um, Zion Williamson. Mm. And, I mean, I love Jason Tatum. That's very interesting. But Tatum, he's on a more accelerated clock than Zion is. You know, Zion, the Pelicans, we already know they're a small market. They're they're pushed against the clock. So you got seven, eight years with a guy. Uh, With Tatum, you'd only have five. Would you rather have Zion Williamson or Ben Simmons? Mm, 
Uh, given Ben Simmons' agent is Rich Paul, uh, Zion Williams. If those things are true, then the Knicks have a, a the Knicks are absolutely in play in this. But that's it. That like they gotta get the lottery though. Yeah, I mean, I like I'm not I, I don't know if I would say that for John Morant. I love John Morant. No, I wouldn't I, want John I, Morant over Jason Tatum. What? No, I agree. I would not want John Morant yeah, over no. Jason Tatum. You know, I wouldn't say that for R.J. Barrett. Like, I agree. I wouldn't say that either. I, I mean, Zion. The, and the thing about, that makes Zion interesting, and special, and this whole another conversation. But I, I feel like he's very high ceiling. I just can't see him being a bust unless he got hurt, which is something I, I'm my, mildly concerned about is his injury risk. I but, am too. But I, unless he were to get injured, I uh, don't really see any bust potential with Iron Williams, and given the way he plays, so that's why I'll be that's why I'd be way more comfortable taking him than like Morant or Barrett compared to like a Tatum or a Simmons. Like those guys, I, I know they're going to be all stars. You know, Tatum will be. An, I mean, Simmons will be an all star this week in a couple of days, and you know, Tatum, it's not. Next year, the year after, he'll eventually be an all-star as well. Uh, but I think Zion will. I'd be surprised if he weren't. And you'd have that guy longer. Plus, I like his mental makeup. So uh, that's. I, I see your point, though. If you're the Knicks, you have potentially the biggest chip. If I'm the Pelicans, that's also why I say I wait. Exactly. Because that's, that's really the guy I would target. But it really is just uh, you, It depends on what team gets the number one pick. I mean, and this is a, I don't want to move off the next conversation, but if you're Phoenix, let's say Phoenix where you get the number one pick, do they move for Anthony Davis? Or do you move Aiton for Anthony Davis? Yeah, you could do that too. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing that if I'm the Pelicans. <laughs> well, this but is why this is why this is fun. This is why, this I really, is why you got to wait. <laughs> this is why I really hope the Pelicans wait. Because then we're going to have a lot of interesting conversations. You don't got to panic. If they don't wait, if they don't wait, we're going to see some trash Lakers move. And that's not fun for anybody. Except for LeBron. Then Lonzo Ball is going to be crying for weeks about, I don't want to play in New Orleans. It's crazy that to me his, his team could have demands about where he wants to go. He's averaging <laughs> nine points a game. I just think that's funny. And it's not, and like, he's not a bad player. I want to make that clear. Going. I don't think Lonzo is bad. Um, but that's just crazy. Oh, if I get traded, get a third team involved. Or at least I can go to some other, nah, I want to end up in Chicago some, some, some other place where my dad could have great visibility. Like, what? Like, imagine if, like, Fred Van Vliet was like, oh, I ain't going there. Like, you got to trade me somewhere else. Like, if he was in this AD situation, he's like, yeah, exactly. what? New Orleans? Nah, B. Because, I mean, Fred Van Vliet and Lonzo Ball aren't that far off in terms of where they are in the NBA food chain right now. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I don't want to stay on this forever. We got to move on. But is there any... The question has this question has to be asked. I kind of feel bad. I'm gonna tell you why. I feel a little bad for Frank, Frank, uh, Mike Francesa. Why am I bringing up Mike Francesa randomly? He went on a rant that let me make clear. I I disagree with 85 percent of his rant. His rant was that AD is not impactful and that Porzingis, you should not trade Porzingis for him because straight up he said I would not trade for him straight up because uh, I don't need another injury prone big man who fits less in this NBA than Porzingis does. So let me make clear. 
what a lot of what he was saying made no sense. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> where are we going? With yeah. <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> I feel bad. Team. I feel bad for Frank Fran- Mike Francesa. A lot of he put on himself with some of the ridiculous stuff he said. But I don't think that it's unfair to ask the question of is AD the kind of player who impacts wins, which was I think the overall point of what he was trying to make. He mixed right. it up with a bunch of stuff that didn't make any sense. But I look, our brother Henry's a Pelicans fan. He's watched AD more than any of us on this show, at least. I asked him the question: Alex Is there something to that. is there something to the fact that? This guy's been on the Pelicans for like eight years now, or however long it's been, and they've only won one playoff series. How great a st- how great a player can you be, and you had so little success as a star? As and as Henry pointed out, you look at a player like Damian Lillard, who's had at times less talent than AD has had around him, and it seems like Portland is routinely a respectable team. Like yeah. I think that question is not unfair, and I don't think it should stop any team from not trading for him or even getting out the farm for him because he's such a great talent. But we got to ask that question of what is AD and where does he kind of where does he land in the whole landscape of superstardom? Is he a superstar that puts up great numbers, but it doesn't really win anything? Or you, is he you know, a guy that's a transcendent player that can be a championship kind of guy. Yeah, that's a lot asked. of people are making the, a lot of Knicks people are making the comparison to Carmelo Anthony, and at the stage he was in, and I see a lot of people that are, or I don't know if they're getting. There are a lot of Knicks fans that hate Melo for whatever reason. You know, I'm not a Knicks fan, so I, I can't speak on that. But Knicks fans um, and their and their their feelings about Melo are very complicated. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Um, but I feel like they're, they're, they they get revisionist history on how whether or not Melo's a great player or not. You know, there are people out there uh, that, you know, say Melo's way better than, uh, you know, Drazen Petrovic. Who, who's that guy? But <laughs> there are also people out there that feel like Melo is a uh, is the same scrub that he was in OKC. And that he's been like that for years. I Point being, there are people that are making the case that Melo was not nearly as good as Anthony Davis. Melo, when he got traded, is not nearly as good as Anthony Davis. I agree with them. You agree with them? Yes. I think Anthony, I think Melo, when he got traded to Denver, or he got, when he got traded from Denver, was at the same level Anthony Davis was at. I totally disagree with you. And I feel like Davis is a tremendous player, and they're different players. They have a different impact on the game. But Melo had uh, he he had the pretty much the exact same. He had more playoff experience, uh, at least yeah, yeah, further playoff experience. And some people make the case, well, he was on a better team. I I, I tend to disagree, but. Um, their 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 teams weren't that much different in terms of success, and he was the best player on his team. Davis the best player on his team. Davis a much better defensive player. Always will be one of the best defense players you could argue of all time. 
But I, I would say they're they're both Melo is a top ten player without a, without question at that point in his career. Davis is also top ten without question in his, uh, at this point in his career. Uh, I disagree because I think that Davis was as effective and often the player as Melo was at his time at that time and is a zillion times better than him defensively. So I can't say that's why I agree that this guy is much better than. Mellow, and it's not a just. I, I don't mean that at all to dismellow. I know there are people who are saying that to dismellow. That is not what I am doing. I'm, I'm saying that despite my questions about Anthony Davis and what he does for winning, I that doesn't mean I don't think he's much better than Mellow. I do, but I'm not I sure. I see. So I'm fair. not sure if I can say that Anthony Davis is as as effective. Mellow, when he got to New York, was in my opinion, outside of Kobe, the best offense player in the league. You can make and that case. Him and him and him, and him Kobe, LeBron, and Durant. Yeah, you know those were the four best scorers in the league when Melo is early years in New York. And in terms of scoring, it was at that point it was probably Melo and Durant. So besides James, Durant, besides James Harden, who's a better offensive player? I'm not saying this to be facetious. I'm just asking the question. Besides Harden, who's a better offensive player right now than Anthony Davis? Besides Harden, who's a better offensive player than Anthony Davis? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I mean, Steph Curry. Okay. I'll Durant. Give I'll give you that. Uh, I'll take uh, Jokic. What? No, I'll I'm not giving you that. Kyrie. No, I see that. Take Kyrie. Dame. No, PG. no. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you not joking? You're really being serious about all those guys? I mean, I, I, you're I mean, LeBron. You're I, I was, like, I would say, like, that list, I mean, that list should have stopped that Durant, Curry, and I, I could have, and I would, I would have gave you LeBron. I'm, none of those other guys you named are not. Because I also players. look at what's the, imp- uh, like, Davis. I also look at how do they make plays for others. Anthony Davis is just, I put the ball in the basket. He's great at it. <laughs> he does it pretty well. <laughs> in, case you know, in case you haven't noticed. He's pretty I mean, good at it. That's why I have to tell every team wants him. But, like, I look at a, a dude like Jokic is averaging, like, seven assists. I'll tell you what, Ken. I, I feel like big men, especially big men who are good defenders, they don't get enough credit for what they do offensively. I, I, I swear, I think if Anthony Davis did not play defense the way he plays it, you would not be saying anything you're saying right now. Look at his number. Look at his offensive numbers for the past five years. I, there's no, you cannot tell me that Nikola Jokic, as good as that kid is, is as good an offensive player as Anthony Davis. You cannot tell me Kyrie Irving, who is not a guy who is a big assist guy, is a scoring guard who is not as efficient a scorer as Anthony Davis, is a better offensive player. I I think the fact that we look at him as such a, a monster defensively, I think it hurts what we look at look at him in terms of an offensive play. This guy's averaged at least 28 points three straight years. I don't know if Melo ever did that with the Knicks. I, I, I would say he probably didn't. And we know he took the shot attempts to get it done. It wasn't like, oh, he had to he had to, you know, he had to appease other players. We knew that wasn't happening. So I I, I and I, it's funny I started this by like questioning AD. And I still have questions. I want to make that clear. But I do feel like when we compare him and Melo, I don't see a comparison. Anthony Davis is an incredible rebounder. Anthony Davis is a great shot blocker. 
I don't see any difference in terms of their ability to score the ball. Is Melo maybe a little more explosive in terms of high ceiling scoring? Maybe. But even that, I've seen Davis put up 50 and 20. Like, uh, he's a great offensive player. I think the only difference is that because he's a big man and the way he scores, I don't think he's as impactful late in games. That's something that Henry, who I spoke to, talked about. And that that is concerning for me, which is why I asked the question, is this a guy that's worth winning? Which is why I went back to my original point, that Mike Francesa got a bad rap this week. A little bit. It, he, he, the right. point he made about AD's impact on winning was not crazy. It needs to be asked. I'm not saying that he's right. I don't know. I, I think, it, but I think it's questionable. He's saying he does not impact winning at all. I, I don't know if I agree with that. But I thought I thought it was. I, I was surprised at how many people looked at him and said he was insane for that specific take. The stuff about him and Porzingis, stuff about AD not being able to be a, as effective a player in this day and age as Porzingis is. None of that stuff made any sense. I'm not obviously talking about that. Just specifically AD and what he's done in his career and how he's been unable to win in New Orleans. And how other guys like James Harden, like LeBron James, you put them on any squad and that team is winning a lot of games. It is bizarre to me that a guy like AD can't do that. And we have to ask why. It's not, we're not, it's not an indictment on him to ask why that is. Or it's not being it's, unfair to him to ask why that is. I mean... And I'm sorry, not having enough talent is not good enough. I've seen LeBron... Play with scrubs and routinely get them to the finals. Harden is carrying a team of backups right now, and they're in the playoffs right now. I seen Dame Lillard carry a team that was not as strong as every other team in the playoffs and find a way to get Portland through. It's, it's fair to ask about Anthony Davis. We're telling we're telling everybody he's a top five player. You know, it's that 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 conversation is always it's always it's, sometimes it's subjective. It's subjective to a guy's situation. And certain guys look great in certain situations, certain systems. Um, like I don't know who for a fact is like that. Like who for a fact is that player? Like LeBron is the only guy that I can say for a fact. There are other guys that I can say theoretically. I would think um, Harden. I think is getting into that class as we've seen with the way the Rockets have played. Where almost no matter who he's with, they're just so dominant. They can be so dominant where they can win every game, but. Like certain guys look like winning players because because of the situation they're in. Certain guys don't look like winning players because of the situation they're in. For example, I mean, on a lower level, I mean, Devin Booker is one of the biggest losers in the league right now. Dude never wins anything. I I look at him like he's a looter in a riot. Suns fans are calling him a rich man's Monte Ellis. But you put you you put Devin Booker in the same shoes as. Um, I'd argue you put him in Donovan Mitchell's shoes and you switch them around. Is Phoenix a playoff team? Is Utah any worse with Devin Booker versus Donovan Mitchell? I I don't think I would say the situations probably say the same. And that's how we view the, we view Donovan Mitchell as a winning player. We look at him, oh that guy's a dog. You know, as a rookie he led his team to the playoffs. I can't say for a fact that Utah would have made it last year. I, but I would be surprised if they didn't with Devin Booker. On a larger level, I look at guys like, I mean, someone like Kyrie Irving, who's in a situation in Boston where, I mean, we'd be a top three, four team in the East without him, probably. We're a top three, four team in the East with him. 
but he looks like a I, we, but we consider him he's the best closer in the league, he's a super clutch player, and all those things are true. But are we that great because of Kyrie Irving, or is Kyrie Irving the same great player on a great team? So I, that's why I asked that question. If Anthony Davis, you put him on Boston, mm-hmm. he's still gonna average twenty five and thirteen rebounds and three blocks or whatever. Right. And his team's gonna win sixty games or fifty five games, and now and that question is not gonna be asked. Gonna I just like, I just feel like unfortunately, kind of the NBA because of the Star Wars happening in Golden State has robbed us of that question a little bit because we don't we don't we haven't actually seen Durant the, the, the playing field isn't love in that situation where they've had to really do that. I do I do feel like some stars where we just I do don't feel like there are enough examples though of guys like Damon Lillard, Russell Westbrook before they got Paul George. LeBron James that have found a way to consistently win regardless of who was around them. And the fact that AD has struggled so mightily, it, it's just it's just interesting. And and I, I think I don't know to me he's so great. I, I'm not it's not gonna stop me from trading a farm for him. But I am curious as to what is he next to LeBron? What what kind of player is he when he's not the guy who's going to be getting 20 shots a game. What does that look like? See, like, he's still going to be dominant, and the Lakers are still going to be a good team because LeBron is one of those guys where, like, one of the few, where no matter what team he's on, they're going to be great. And we're not going to question it. You know what I mean? But, we're not going to But we see The NBA reason why I say that, though, Kendall, is because we do – because let's be honest, Kevin Love and Chris Bosh have rings. We look at them very differently than we did before they teamed up with LeBron James. Now it's a little different because you know those guys were number three option, whereas you know this is more to akin to uh, AD being Dwayne Wade or Kyrie Irving. But I, I do wonder what he becomes when when he's in that toxic, that toxic environment that AD a, that, that Kevin Durant called it. It's different. He's ahead of those guys. I agree, but, but I, mean, he, I, I I agree. This is like you put KG, prime KG with with LeBron. That guy doesn't he doesn't take a back seat to anybody. All right, all right, so, we'll see. Especially in the aging LeBron. All right, I'm telling you, they got the same agent. LeBron's gonna make sure he feeds his guy. We, I, I would be shocked if Anthony Davis, if he did end up in LA, didn't mesh. I'm not saying there won't be growing pains. Or whenever you form a new super team, there's growing pains. But I mean, he's gonna get touched. It's not part, like that team. But stacked. part of the reason that makes me bring that up is because how much of a different dog would this dude when Boogie went down? And what did I say on this show? That AD was coasting last year. He was coasting for the first half of the season. And when I say coasting, I don't mean oh he was just completely dogging it, but. For we knew what kind of beast this guy was. We knew the numbers that he could put up, and he wasn't put up those numbers because he had to. Uh, he had to defer a little bit to Boogie Cousins, the guy who wasn't even as good as him. So my thing is, does he still have? Does he get challenged playing with someone like LeBron James? Does he still understand? He still has to play at that uber uber high level, and it doesn't. I'm not saying score forty points, but there's just. Anybody who watched the Pelicans last year, there was a different Anthony Davis the minute that other dude went down. Is my question: Am I gonna get the same Anthony Davis who I thought was coasting? 
when he was with New Orleans before uh, the Cousins injury? Because if that's the guy the Lakers are getting, they're going to have no chance to beat the Warriors. None. Yeah. These, yeah. That's why I, these questions about what is he with LeBron, how does he impact winning, those questions, this is why I think that, that is, uh, these are fair questions and why, again, overall, I felt my uh, what, but My last that, thing but. on this is that I think the the Lakers trade the farm for Anthony Davis. I, I don't think that they're. I still don't think they're a top three team in the West. Like I, I don't think you 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 add Anthony Davis's team, but you trade the rest of your role players. Like I would assume that's Ball, Ingram, Kuzma, who's maybe number, even Hart. Who's number two right now in the West for you? Uh, I would say. I mean, there's a lot of it's it's because on the, on the surface, I feel like they are definitely in the conversation. I mean, I think two, three, and four in whatever order is OKC, Houston, Denver. Those those are the teams behind Golden State. And I would say so you think at least two of those teams is still better than the Lakers. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I think, I think maybe Houston o- gets healthy. I think maybe OK. I think maybe OKC is better than them. I'm starting to believe a little bit because of the way Paul George is playing. Though I'm still kind of holding out. I think that they surpass Houston, who has too many injuries, and Denver. I mean, I feel like the Lakers would have two guys so much better than anyone on Denver. That I get Denver is, like, crazy deep, but it's just, at a certain point, star power just, like, overwhelms. And it is what it is. Because who else is even on this team at that point? I mean, you got Josh Hart, Lance. I, I mean, are we assuming Hart? I mean, if I'm New Orleans, I'm like, you got to give me a heart, too. I don't, or, or you're not I don't do think trade. you're getting every single guy. I think if you, I think you, if you get the big... I think you get... <laughs> Screw you, Magic. No, if you get the big three and then first-round picks, I think you get to keep Josh Hart. Are you, like I said, they're not, in no, they're not in any position to make any demands on who they keep. <laughs> go go, go out telling your fans, well, we weren't going to do the trade. Cause I'm going to work on this something they keep Josh Hart. You got Hart. You got Rondo, you got Lance Stevenson, you got Michael Beasley, JaVale McGee. I mean, yeah, I think that that team is older and not nearly as fun, but it's better than still a lot of those teams we talked about in terms of Houston. And I'm taking that team over those teams. Definitely. All right. At least, at least two of the three. Because you said top three. I'm taking them. I, I, I think they're still. I think that team is better than Houston and Denver. I can't say that. And, I mean, about right now they're not even in the playoffs. They may end up having to face one of those teams. They're, more, they're almost certain. They're certainly going to face one of those teams in the first round. So then we'll know. Very, and, and, you know, we'll know they very better pray it's not going to They're going quick. Uh, let's, Kenneth, let's quickly do Flames and Trash. Uh, flames this week. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, my Flames, I'm going with uh, Kentucky basketball, man. Uh, they were kind of, I don't want to say the laughing stock college basketball. That's probably a little harsh. But I think people were having fun, were having their fun poking at UK sorrows when they start the year so poorly. But they are now definitely one of the highest teams in the country. And I think a lot of people would definitely have to say that this is a team that you have to consider as a Final Four contender, which seemed crazy after uh, their loss on opening night to Duke, after they lost to Seton Hall at the Garden, 
But they've rattled off now, uh, what is this, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row. That includes a, a, game, a win last weekend, or seven games in a row, I'm sorry. That includes a game last weekend against uh, Kansas at home in which they they, dom- they dominated the game. Kansas. It wasn't like Kansas got blown out, but Kansas, you never felt watching that game that Kansas was going to find a way to win. And I think what's been impressive about Kentucky is what what people what the Kentucky fans and people that believe in Kentucky touted before the season is now finally starting to kind of play out. People said who was the star of this team? There's no one there's no real alpha dog. Yes, you got a lot of talented guys, but they don't really seem to have a particular star. Kentucky is not proving that doesn't matter. They have four or five guys who can go off on any given night and now they're all starting to produce. Keldon Johnson, P.J. Washington, Hero, and Reed Travis had an excellent game this Saturday against Kansas. This is a team that's dangerous. This is a team that's getting better, and they shoot the ball extremely well. Kentucky's dangerous. Keep keep your eye out for them. Who's playing for you this weekend, though? Uh, my flame DJ is going to be Hofstra basketball. Uh, <laughs> very random. But uh, Hofstra basketball right now, EJ, is uh, they're the hottest team in college basketball. They've won, I believe, 16 straight games, uh, and they've got the longest streak in the country, uh, longest winning streak in the country. Uh, they've got one of the best scorers in the country, Justin Wright Foreman, Queens native. Uh, you can argue they're the best team in New York right now, which um, is not something I would have said a month ago. It would have been like you know, St. John's, you know, Syracuse, you can, if you count Syracuse and New York team. But uh, they're the hottest team in the country. Uh, also, the hottest team in hockey is, is the uh, New York Islanders. Is that a coincidence that well, those two teams Island play stand up. <laughs> across the street? Oh, should I say Strong Island stand up? Oh, look at EJ. Shout out to Rock Kim. <laughs> look at EJ. Um, so I I just had to give a shout out to uh, to the Hofstra Pride. Um, you know, my boy uh, Tariq Coburn former classmate in high school out there balling on the starting lineup. Yeah, shout uh, out to Tariq. Yo, the, yo, get, Tariq, yo get Tariq on the show. Yeah, that's That seems like an interview we could get. And possibly. Yeah, yeah, uh, hit see. him up. I feel possibly. like he would do the podcast. Oh, yeah, he would. Yeah, he would. Um, who's, your, uh, who's your flame yeah, this week? Uh, well, I did flame. My trash this week is... Uh, my, trash. my trash is, is, is uh, Chip Kelly. Probably saying, Chip Kelly, coach of UCLA football. Why am I taking shots at Chip Kelly? Well, I'm taking shots at Chip Kelly because we are learning more and more about how painful it was to be a player under Mick, uh, the Chip Kelly when he was an NFL coach. This uh, new account comes from former Eagles quarterback Michael Vick, who was on a radio show during on Radio Road this week, talking about his time under Chip Kelly, and he said that it got so bad at one point that he was brought to tears, Kendall. Michael Vick says that he was in a hyperbaric chamber crying because of what Chip Kelly was putting him through in this uh, quarterback competition he had at the time with Nick Foles. Vick said, quote, That year I'm laying in my hyperbaric chamber before a preseason game 
I am battling Nick Foles for a starting position. Now, I've been a starter for 12 years of my career. Now I'm in a battle, which I'm clearly winning. Nothing against Nick. Nothing but respect for him. We love him to death. He was sitting there with Deshaun Jackson, who was nodding and agreeing with everything he's saying. I'm sitting in my hyperbaric chamber with tears coming out of my eyes, crying because I'm like, I did everything I could for Chip Kelly. He went on to say that would pain him the most about playing for Chip Kelly, that it seemed to be more about his system than it was about the players. Well, boy, is UCLA football not learning that. <laughs> well, that's the case. Or, boy, was that not the case with the, with, with the San Francisco 49ers and how they figured that out. Um, that's crazy. I mean, football is an emotional game. It's a tough game. But when you got dudes on your team, grown men who've played in the NFL for years, crying because they My feel like they've given you everything they could and you only care about how much sleep they're getting and how many snaps you're getting off in the game and you want to start guys who have no experience. <laughs> like, like that's bad. And he also mentioned that what also hurt him was that he felt like all the things that you need to have from a leader as a quarterback – in training camp, and he said he included how he handled the Riley Cooper thing, which was kind of embracing him, which he didn't say, but I will say, definitely he got heat for. Yeah. So so I'm thinking about all the stuff Vic's saying. So he says tears, it made sense to me. When he mentioned that Riley Cooper thing, I'm like, oh, I get this. This, game, this was beyond just even football. I mean, Vic put his neck out on the line for Chip Kelly and hurt his own credibility because he wanted to start so bad and he wanted to show that he was ready to, to lead this team. And he felt like all Chip cared about was Chip. And from what everything we've seen from him since he left Oregon, that seems to be the case. So yeah. Chip is trash for that. Um, I, I, that's unbelievable to me that a starting quarter. I never heard of that. A, a, a guy in a quarterback competition is just bursting out into tears before a game. Because of what he has to go through playing for that dude was in prison, and he's he's crying over <laughs> Chip Kelly. That dude did a hard, he, he did a hard eighteen, and he's crying about Chip Kelly. That's a sad life, man. That's a sad life. Yeah, let me get to my frames before uh, Kendall's court flames this week. EJ is uh, oh yeah, I keep saying flames. <laughs> Kendall's like flames. everything is flames. Let's talk about more flames. Yeah, no trash this week is uh. Luka Doncic fans, and you guys know, if you've been listening, I'm a huge fan, a huge supporter of Luka Doncic, have been for two plus years, and I we made a YouTube video talking about why Luka Doncic should be in the All-Star game. I felt that way. You felt like he shouldn't be in the All-Star game. And so obviously I know where I stand. I think he should be in the All-Star game. Um... Obviously, he, he was the second leading vote-getter for the Western Conference behind LeBron James uh, in terms of the All-Star game, which I'm not sure how that would have worked. If, let's say, he did win the, the vote, would he have been the captain or would it have come down to a percentage? I don't know. I don't know. We'll never, we, will, we probably will never know that. <laughs> but regardless, um, after he was not picked, obviously the, the five starters were named. It was uh, LeBron... Uh, Paul George, Steph Curry, James Harden, and who's the fifth guy? Uh, Durant. Paul George, Durant. Durant, yeah. Yeah, Kevin Durant. Um, 
It was not Luka Doncic. There were plenty of people uh, gone on social media, uh, many different avenues as they could to express uh, issue with Luka Doncic not being named an all-star starter. Saying, oh, the fans voted for, the fans wanted Doncic in the all-star game. He should be in there. He should be a starter. This is a joke. And look, this is from somebody that thinks he deserves to be in the all-star game. I, he, there is no debatable case on why Doncic should be in over any of those five guys. From like a numbers perspective, from a production or a an achievement perspective, he hasn't done anything to deserve being in it. The only case you could possibly make is, well, he won the fan vote. But we went for years with the fan vote being, we, we debated every year that it was an archaic system and it made no sense and people could just fudge the vote however they wanted to and it was a terrible way of deciding who would be all-star because we would end up with clown all-stars like Zaza Petulia being an all-star starter. Oh, Grant, you know, Grant Hill playing five games. And yeah, exactly. Yao Ming not playing at all and being an all-star starter. Uh, Luka Doncic as a rookie being named an all-star starter, which would have happened had he had we had the fan vote. And he's having a historic rookie season. But there is no, again, there is no way of defending if he would have been named an all-star starter. And even beyond that, again, I think Doncic should make the all-star game. But if he is, if he is to not make the all-star game, it would not be a travesty. He, there is a debate. We had it on our on our, on, on our YouTube channel for Doncic to not make it. I want the Luka Doncic fans out there to know that if he were to not make the all-star game, it's not because he's not a great player. It's not because people don't like him. It's not because people are jealous of what he's doing. <laughs> it's because he's in the Western Conference. And there are a lot of deserving candidates. Maybe the NBA. I I don't think the NBA should look at realigning the All Star game in any way. But if he were in the Eastern Conference, he would get in easily. Uh, you know, I think he would get in over D'Angelo Russell, for example. But he's in the West. It's tougher. It's tougher to make it. I think he'll make it. But if he were to not make it. People should not riot in the streets and cry foul um, because there is a debatable case for him not making it, but there seems to be the sentiment out here that it makes no sense that he was not an all-star starter when for years we were clowning Zaza Pachulia. I mean, do, do people also think Derrick Rose should have been an all-star starter? Are we going to have that conversation? I, I don't know. Um. You are learning what I learned already, that Luca's fans are rabid. <laughs> They're rabid, um, man. I mean, uh, I love Luca as much uh, as anybody, but I, I mean, you're, you're, you're being delusional. You I mean, Kendall, they came. should have been a starter. They, they come up, they've come at my neck now in several of the videos we've done. Yeah, EJ, man. You, because you, of what they perceive to be I anti, think EJ fears for his life going to just as yeah, long as Dennis Yeah, I know there's people, I know, uh, you know, uh, Michael Cohen's scared of Russian spies. I, I, I'm afraid of Slovenian spies. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder and, and, you know, making other people sip my coffee before I take a sip from Starbucks to make sure nobody slips on it. I'm so scared. Uh, Look, these people are rabid. I don't know why. I think that's pretty. I think it actually is cool that a guy so young could have such a rabid fan base. Um, we know, like guys like LeBron and Kobe. I think those guys in particular have have had such rabid, rabid fan bases. Um, they're annoying to argue with, but 
it is cool to see uh, people who love the sport rally around guys who they like. So it's crazy to me that a, a European player and someone to be so young could have so many of these fans. But clearly, I mean, we learned very quickly. <laughs> we learned before yes. everyone else, I think, knew how rabid his <laughs> fan base was. So it's not that surprising I, that they would be outraged. I mean, again, I, I mean, I've been called many of names for, again, what they perceive to be an anti-Luka bias, which is not true. I love Luka Doncic. I love them. He's in the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Stupid guy since he, was, since he was a 17-year-old. Um, they taken a video where we talked about, uh, where I made the case for Trey Young and made it, and now I'm now like the anti-Luka basher, and that I don't think he's an all-star, and that, that makes it worse. But, look, I, they're a rabid fan base, um, but it, it, they're like every rabid fan base, though. Are they all, I feel like all rabid fan bases, honestly, are the worst. We always say, "Oh, you guys are the worst. You guys are the worst." I think, I think all, I think whenever someone is willing to like fight other people for like not liking the thing that they like, or even perceiving that that person doesn't like the things you like, it's annoying. Like, like you know, I, I'm starting to realize like I'm a J Cole stan, and I think last week with all you know, the J Cole had his big rollout for his new single, Middle Child. And I, I and like I you know I see all the J Cole stands kind of rallying in our excitement for it. For some reason, it just kind of clicked. Oh yeah, I kind of get it. Like if you don't like this guy, I can see why all these people would be very annoying. Because as soon as you say anything bad about him, we're coming after you. Now I don't regret it. <laughs> I don't regret defending J Cole or defending what I like. But I can understand someone else being like, "Yo, chill, fam." <laughs> so. Look, this this is what it is. Uh, it's the reason why people hate Kentucky fans, why people hate Dallas Cowboy fans, why people hate Nick fans. Um, rabid fan bases are fanatical, and fanatics are what the definition of it is: are people you know who are out of their mind over and obsessed over something. So he has a rabid fan base. That's crazy for a dude who's, who's a teenager, basically. Um, and I'm excited to see where where what happens in terms of where he stands in the All Star game next week. Uh, do you think he's gonna get in? I think he is, but he, I, if he doesn't, it'd be because he's a rookie. I think. Yeah, I don't think he will. Cause I think because it seems like they like every time we've gotten a guy who seems to have had a case. I mean, the only guy they gave the benefit to was Blake Griffin, but like I think it was because it was, it was undeniable. But every other right. guy that's been close, they just they never put them in. I mean, they didn't put yeah. in LeBron James as, for as a rookie. Like they gave Goran Dragic a spot over Benson. Right. Yeah. Even when it came to like, you know, reserve <laughs> spot, they still didn't want to give Ben Simmons an All Star game. Like it's just it's just hard to do. They just want guys to wait their turn. Now coaches seem to love this guy, so it wouldn't shock me if they made a. That, that's the other thing I think about is that coaches may say this guy is even better than what the people think or <laughs> what the people say. Yeah, coaches seem to love him, but. I, I'm gonna say they still say he's got to wait his turn. Yeah, um, Kendall's court EJ this week. Uh, there was an article on Bleacher Report um, that was written by Howard Beck called "Is it, it, it was entitled Not a Two Goat Race." Um, the subtitle: LeBron and uh, Jordan and LeBron dominate the all-time greatest conversation, but Shaq, Joel Embiid, and other bigs think the narrative is BS. 
Now, that sounds very similar to a conversation we had last week, EJ, about uh, Will Chamberlain being somebody that we don't know why he's not really in the conversation that much. And right on cue, as long as this Howard Beck was listening to our, uh, our, our podcast, comes out with a piece about why and whether or not big men should be more considered in the GOAT conversation. Uh, you know, again, as the, as the sub subheading suggests, Shaq and Joel Embiid, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came out in this article. They all said it was nonsense, said they feel it's not fair. Uh, but there are a lot, I mean, there are a lot of great big men in, in NBA history. Just, just an interesting thing that I thought, uh, given the, the, the nature of the conversation we had last week, thought it was timely to mention. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the big men have a case. I don't, I don't understand it. I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, well, let me take that back. I kind of do get it. I get it from the sense that I feel like everyone who's making the conversations and talking about who the greatest player of all time is, none of these guys are seven feet tall. They can't. I think while none of us can do what Michael Jordan or LeBron James does, I think that we're able to, for some reason, still resonate a little bit because there's so much skill. There, There is more skill involved with, like, what those guys yeah. had to do because yeah, of just they have to handle, they have to shoot long distance. So, but And because when you play, when all of us play basketball, or even the guys who don't play basketball but perceive what how they would play when they play basketball – I think they kind of they kind of resonate more with the guy who's doing what they feel is the more harder thing to do, and I think that that's not a fair way to judge who the greatest player is. Like I don't think that matters. It doesn't it doesn't matter what you think the other guy is doing. You think is harder. It's about just who is the most effective. Yeah, this isn't a pound for pound right thing. It's not a so pound for pound. Case we're and, just saying who's the greatest. You know, Steph Curry would have a conversation. We're just you saying know? who's the greatest <laughs> player of all time. Exactly. We're just saying who's the greatest player of all time. And the fact that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar could have 19 All-Star games, two scoring titles, six NBA championships, 11 All-NBA defensive teams, two Finals MVPs, six MVPs, and no, like, the fact, and to be the all-time leading scorer in NBA history and to get zero talk when it comes to being the greatest player of all time I, 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 it's mind-boggling because at least with Wilt, they make the case that, oh, well, there were guys, he was somehow way taller than everyone. And that's their, I think, ridiculous argument. Well, Kareem played with other guys who were tall. <laughs> and they still couldn't yeah. stop him. He wasn't the only seven-footer out there. And yeah. he was still winning championships and winning MVP. So what is your excuse for him? Why does he get excused? Why does he get eliminated? Because he played with Magic Johnson? Well, what about when LeBron playing with other great players or Jordan playing with Scottie Pippen. Why, why is he being penalized? Again, I made the case about Will Chamberlain and how I think him being excluded is ridiculous. But I think that big men get excluded because just people just don't they don't respect what they're able to do. They just don't respect the guy who's able to physically dominate in that way because they feel like it's almost. I don't want to say they feel like it's cheating, but I just think they feel like you won the you won the genetic lottery is what I've heard people say. You win the generic lottery, and like you don't really count when it comes to like who's the greatest, and that's not it's, it's not fair. I, 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 I all these totally guys win the generic lottery, man. Yeah, <laughs> that, Michael Jordan, argument. and you, you can, again, I made the case last week. If you don't think LeBron James is 
physically superior to everyone else he's playing with, similar to Will Chamberlain, you don't know what the hell Jack. you're talking about. Like, this guy is six foot nine and is and is built like a like a linebacker. And he probably runs a four five forty. He's faster than everyone on the court. He's stronger than everyone on the court, and he can jump higher than everyone on the court. And I'm not taking away from his skill level. His skill level is through the roof. We all understand that. And of course, his IQ is through the roof. But if you don't think that that guy has a physical advantage because every guy that's guard he's that's guarding him, you don't know what you're talking about. You're thinking from a basketball Neanderthal idea. Of oh this guy's tall so therefore he's he has an advantage LeBron just because he's not the tallest guy on the court you're not thinking of the other advantages he has that are clear that aren't that that are clearly gifts from God like he also won the genetic lottery when it comes to that yeah you know like the only the the guys who didn't win the genetic lottery are like Isaiah Thomas yeah both Isaiah Thomases. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, Steve Steph Nash, Curry, Steve Nash, Chris Paul, John, John Stockton. Those, those guys, guys won no they, they made lotteries. the league just off of skill. Yeah, there was no physical prowess involved in them making it. Um, they had no. Matt Johnson advantage. is six. Matt Kendall, Matt Johnson is six foot nine. We yeah. never talk about whether or not that should just exclude him from being the greatest point guard of all time. Yeah, makes things a whole. Why would that not be in the conversation? We're excluding Wilt Chamberlain. Literally, Matt Johnson was taller than every single point guard he went up against by far. Was not even close. Even if the team put the shooting guard on him, he they probably was taller than him. And they put the small forward on him, he was probably taller than that guy. I mean, he had a a genetic physical advantage over his matchup almost every time he was on the court. And no one makes the case that, oh, because of that, he's not the greatest point guard of all time. But now because of Wilt Chamberlain and, and Kareem Rodgers Rod- being tall, now those guys get eliminated? It doesn't add up. Nah. No, nah, not at all. I think that's a good place to wrap the show, Kendall. That was a good Kendall's court to bring back the conversation from last week. Thank you guys so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. Be sure to check out all of our podcasts on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Definitely, definitely, definitely go to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, where we have a brand new video out. Um, it's doing very well. Uh, we're, we're, at last I checked, we're, we're nearing 800 views on our video talking about um, predicting some of the, the top high school basketball players choices in terms of their their college selections the top uncommitted players for the class of 2019 cole anthony jd mcdaniels matthew hurt uh, anthony edwards all the top guys we talk about them check it out on our youtube channel new generation media make sure you like our video and subscribe to our channel follow us on twitter at new generation pod follow us on facebook new generation media and on instagram at new generation podcast follow me on twitter at ej underscore stewart and on instagram at Action EJ. Again, that does it for now, but we will be back next week with more sports talk, talking about the fallout from Super Bowl 53. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.